welcome back to Rough in the Basket, a podcast that sees the Patriots and Lions live. The podcast that has a, a co-host that unfortunately is a Lions fan and saw them get obliterated 29-0 in person. That was my week. Hey, no complaints. Honestly, such a great time going to a Patriots game, having the opportunity to do that. Um, Jason Pombo, founder of the Daily Goat, is a living legend, and he has a special place in my heart for allowing me to go to that game for free. Uh, definitely owe him a few beers and we'll work out, you know, the terms of, uh, you know, how many beers I hope I owe him later on. But uh, anyways, welcome back to Rough in the Basket. Brandon Carr, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Don't get Pombo too hammered on uh, beers. But yeah, no, I'm glad, glad that you enjoyed the game. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't go the way that, you know, you were hoping for. I know you wanted, the, I think you did say the Patriots were going to win, but it was a, a beautiful performance by the Patriots defense in the running game. But Hey, I mean, next, I, I'm sure you'll have another opportunity down the line to go to a Lions game. Maybe it's at Ford Field. That would be really cool. I bet kind of the environment there is probably sick, but, and you know what? It's okay. I think a better experience for you will be coming. Dude, there's just so much I could even talk about that game. Like <laughs> we were, so dude, the tickets were incredible. We were like 14 rows up from the 50 yard line. Wow. So really it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. really close. Um, you know, go I see the Lions get destroyed very up, up close and personal. Dude, I was only like 100, uh, probably 150 feet away from Bill Belichick at one point. I was like, this is pretty crazy. Actually, when um, when we were like walking, you know, around the stadium, we saw Bill Belichick's girlfriend go into like this secret, like hidden tunnel they have for, you know, wow. players and personnel and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely some crazy takeaways from that game being in person. I think it's just it's wild, man. You know what? one week what a little sample size can make people believe about certain players and by that I'm referring to Brandon Zappi look I love the kid I have seen I've actually seen a lot of Brandon Zappi history in person I saw his first game ever preseason with the Giants uh and then I saw his first game starting in person against the Detroit Lions infamous Detroit Lions um and look I think that he definitely has a place in the league special talent special kid um but again i question what his ceiling exactly is they were not facing the bills there was several times that me and jason turned to each other and we were like if they're facing the bills right now if they're facing the dolphins right now if they were facing a bona fide top five top 10 defense that would have been an interception there were so many plays like that and they got away with it because they're facing the worst defense in the league and uh look zappy i mean you have to have talent to go 17 for 21 uh, complete 81% of your passes. You have to have talent to do that at NFL. So, you know, props to him. But let's not forget that Mac Jones was a first-round pick. Um, I'm starting to think a lot of Patriots fans actually actually did a poll on Rough in the Basket this, this last week. Uh, who's better, uh, Mac or, or Zappy? And like 60% of the, the people, 6 out of 10, um, said Zappy, which is oh. a little concerning. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I think like about 30 or 27 people answered or something like that. But around 60% of them said Brandon Zappi, which um, it's crazy to me, man, especially considering I have heard none, none of those Patriots fans give any kind of compliments to Ramondre Stevenson. And he basically had the same amount of yards as Brandon Zappi. Third most yards as a running back in the Bill Belichick era happened in that game that I was there. Fortunately, had him on one of my fantasy teams. So when he broke off a 60-yard run, I was cheering. So, you know, <laughs> you, you have Love to have it. fun about it. And uh, that that's my takeaways. Again, great game, great atmosphere, good vibe. Um, but I will say, let's calm down with the Brandon Zappi hype. Um, he's he's not as good as Mac Jones, for sure. Yeah. Um, listen, I'll keep it short. If you have Bailey Zappi fever right now, I think you need to go to the doctor. I think you need to get your vaccine. I think you got to start wearing a mask around people because this is really getting contagious here in new, in new England. It's really, it's really bad, man. Like, I mean, I, I'm not going to call anybody out. I know a few people who do have zappy fever and it's really clouding their judgment. They really have turned their backs on Mac Jones. So Patriots fans, look, I think if you have zappy fever right now, I think you need to get checked out. Like no disrespect, but it's getting bad. It's it's really it's really contagious up here. So please stay away from me if you have zappy fever. Exactly, couldn't have said it better myself. You know, again, again, I I don't have any hatred towards him. I think what he's done is extremely impressive. Going from going from a 
literal FCS, like Division II school in Houston Baptist, a school that their overall record is like 19 and 71 or something like that. So for him to go to a school like that and then transfer to, you know, Western Kentucky, again, yep. not that great of a school, but at least Division One, and then to be able to break the touchdown record and then get drafted in like the fourth round by the Patriots, incredible feat. And I could see him being maybe quarterback in the future a fringe starting quarterback but again like mac jones i think people forget he he, he had 23 touchdowns and like 10 interceptions last year made the playoffs um and again people want to criticize him for his three game performance to start the season rightfully so but again three games what was whenever somebody wants to you know take a three game context way out of context um, I kind of like to refer them to the Sam Darnold example or the uh, Teddy Bridgewater example of last year, both of whom were three and zero, and then we see how their you know careers have turned out since then. So, again, one game is really not like a career defining performance. Let's just you know call no, I I wasn't too impressed with them, and you know I mean he I mean he came in and showed some poise and he he was fine, but like there was nothing that was like wowed about him and. You know, a lot of the throws that he had were, weren't really tight window throws. Like Jacoby Myers got open a lot. Uh, Hunter Henry got open. And I just, you know, wasn't really too impressed with Bailey Zappi. But, hey, maybe he can uh, – I think he's probably earned himself, you know, a job in the NFL for a, a while. And I think he'll be a backup quarterback. Maybe he, you know, has these spot starts and does fine. But I really just don't see too much with him. But – Again, if you have zappy fever, please get away from me. I, I I don't want it at all. Yeah, we're we're not we're not with that on the show. I don't want it. And yeah. there goes half our audience. Um, but, <laughs> but anyways, um, moving on. You know, we we did have a head coach firing this week. Yeah, we did we have did. a guy get fired, Matt Rule, uh, Panthers head coach, former head coach now lost his job after two two seasons and five games through this season. Uh, Panthers are not doing well. Panthers Panthers have had Christian McCaffrey this year pretty healthy, relatively healthy compared to normal. They have not been able to translate that to wins. Um, unfortunately, their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who we uh, obviously have some opinions about here yeah. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Sorry, TJ. Um, he's not done very well so far this season, and uh, it cost Matt Rule his job. And now, you know, Baker Mayfield has said he's had, he has an injury, and um it's not going to compete anymore uh this season or for at least the next few games again it was a little weird to me that the second that you know Matt Rule gets fired he says hey actually my my hand my leg whatever it was kind of hurts I don't think I'm going to be able to start the next few weeks you know uh <laughs> literally as soon as that happened it just I don't know weird timing oh maybe goodness. there's uh some relation some correlation there I don't know but uh, I'm just saying, honestly, I think it's good riddance for the, the Panthers. To be honest, I think their GM should have probably gone the can first. He was the one that ultimately traded for Baker Mayfield. He was the one that ultimately traded for Sam, Sam Darnold. Um, he was the one that, you know, has not been able to find them a quarterback for several years. So I really think Matt Rule um, is a college head, head coach. He's had success at the college level. He will continue to have success at the college level. And uh, it wasn't his time to have success at the NFL level. Um, and I, I don't think that he necessarily deserved to get all the blame for this. But it's the NFL. And when you have, you know, a six-year, $100 million contract, whatever, whatever as a head coach, and uh, your team is not performing, uh, unfortunately, you are probably going to get the can. So what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, I thought Matt Rule was probably going to be the first head coach that gets canned this season. And Look, I think he was due to, and, you know, he finished with an 11 and 27 record. They started off like three and oh last season, if you remember that. And then I think they like lost like maybe 16 of their something. It was like they lost a bunch of games after that. Um, they had a really bad record after the three and oh start. I forget the, what the record was. But yeah, I mean, I think with Matt Rule, I think he had a lot of power in those decisions as well. I've read a lot of reports that, he had like the final say on personnel decisions. So I'm sure he had a good hand in those. And I think, you know, when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater, when it comes to Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, I think that was him having like the final say along with Dave Tepper. They never got the quarterback position right. 
And I think they really screwed that up. I mean, there is a point in the draft where they could have taken Mac Jones or Justin Fields and they screwed that up. Uh, they could have had Kenny Pickett last in this past draft. Hell, they could have, if they really wanted to, try to trade up for a guy like Tua or Justin Herbert in that draft as well. So they had a, a plethora of opportunities to try and take a franchise quarterback and they just didn't do it. And they were kind of throwing something on the wall, see if it sticks. It was Teddy Bridgewater. It was Sam Donald. It was Baker Mayfield. It was PJ Walker at some points. Like it was, it wasn't great. And I think, you know, with Matt Rule, never really was, I think, a great fit in the NFL. I think he's more of a better college coach and he'll probably end up being the head coach of like Nebraska or Wisconsin or one of those schools in the Big Ten. But I think, you know, with the Panthers now, Baker Mayfield, I believe, has a high ankle sprain. So he's going to be out for a while. I think at this point for them, like, could they, I know they've been rumored to be trading away or their teams have been calling to, you know, for their, some of their better pieces like Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Brian Burns. So maybe it's a conversation you have and maybe you decide to move off from some of those guys. Might be a little bit hard to trade for like a, a DJ Moore. He just signed a new contract. I think Brian Burns' contract might have like two more seasons left. And I think McCaffrey's contract actually becomes a little bit more easier for them to trade after the season. So maybe it's a conversation you have, but I don't think the Panthers are like so far off. Like I think they actually have a pretty good team. I just think they haven't gotten the quarterback and coach right. So you look at the some of the coaches that they could hire. Maybe they hire a Shane Steichen, who is the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. Maybe they go for a Tamika Ryans, who was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Um, maybe they would go with a Ken Dorsey, who actually has some connections with the Panthers. Um, he's the offensive coordinator for the Bills. So maybe you kind of go that road and then you draft a quarterback because the Panthers are probably going to have a top five pick. So whether it's whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's CJ Stroud, whether it's Will Levis, like whoever they decide to draft, like, you know, you're gonna have to really build around that guy. And I don't think the Panthers are like too, too far off. So I don't know if they should like be in immediate sell mode because they have some pretty good pieces. Like JC Horn's really good as well. And you know, Derek Brown, they drafted in the first round. They have Frankie Ruvu, who's been really good. And they have just some pretty good talent. Like Robbie Anderson's not that bad. Maybe he's a the guy they trade away, but I don't know. I think the Panthers got to get the head coach right. Don't give the head coach so much power. And they can have the GM, Dave Tepper, and whoever the new head coach is going to be kind of work together and maybe establish a culture. This team really needs a culture. And then they need a quarterback. They need to get this right. And they, if they have a top five pick, you got to take one. You got to take one and – that's how you build your franchise from the ground up. And maybe the NFC South next year, like Tom Brady might be gone. Like their Saints have a quarterback situation right now. We don't know who it's going to be. Maybe it's not Jameis Winston and the Falcons. They don't have a quarterback either outside of Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter, who they drafted. So I don't know. I feel like the NFC South is pretty open. Maybe the Panthers window of retooling and rebuilding this team is not too far off for them. You know what this whole situation shows me is, like, having a good running back is cool and all, but it doesn't translate to wins. Like, almost never. Uh, let me let me give you some examples here, right? James Robinson last season, I mean, overall had a great year. And the year before even had a great year. Um, and, you know, something, Jaguars were terrible both seasons. Um, Saquon, I mean, he's been good. When he's been healthy, he's been great. I mean, obviously this year, Giants 4-1, and one, so can't really use that as an example. But other season when he was healthy, they didn't win, even though they had a great running back. You know, um, also there's the example of for, you know, Detroit Lions, one that hits close to home. Um, Swift last year had an incredible season as a running back. They were 313-1. and one. Um, You know, basically, I think this is showing me more and more that having a good running back is, it's great and all, but again, it doesn't always translate to getting victories. And you know, another example of that is uh, Antonio Gibson, who, you know, coincidentally um, is on the team, the Washington Commanders, who have forgotten, it seems, that he exists and have forgotten that he's been basically like a, the 11th, 12th best running back in the NFL over the last, I don't know, like three years, something like that. I mean, if you look at the, these fantasy stats, at least, he's been like the 12th best running back fantasy wise the last like three years. Uh, still young, still very talented, and then they give him five carries. 
And uh, I feel like th- it's almost a perfect transition into our uh, next segment is, you know, yeah, who's is. the next guy on the, the, you know, the chopping block? Who's the next guy who's on the hot seat who could possibly be fired before the season's end? And for me, it's very simple. It's Rivera. And I, again, have no hatred towards Ron Rivera. I think he's a great person. He's overcome cancer um, and, and made it to the playoffs that same year. Uh, so, like, maybe his coaching career isn't going to be dead after this. But just the way that he is handling this Washington Commanders team, it almost seems like he doesn't want to be there. Like, the Brett Robinson story is incredible, man. Like, this guy, like, literally was shot less than six weeks ago, and he's starting running back in the NFL now. That's amazing, honestly. It's probably one of the most inspirational stories I've heard in a long time. But here's a problem with that. Um, again, you have Antonio Gibson. And you gave him like a grand total of seven carries over the last two weeks. Who, by the way, Antonio Gibson had five carries. And you know what he did with those five carries last, uh, last well, yesterday, you know, Thursday night football, he put up 35 yards. So if you're not good at math, that's seven yards a carry, which is phenomenal in the NFL. So with that being said, uh, and then also, you know, you had the whole, um, the whole situation where he was asked about why, why are you guys not competing with other teams in the NFC right now? He's his quarterback. You know, uh, and then, you know, he tried to walk back those comments and he got into a whole argument with a reporter who was asking him, oh, Dan Snyder, was he the one that really made the charge for Carson Wentz or was that you? And he kind of like lost his mind. And anyways, they're one in four. That's the main thing. If they were like three and two right now, two and three, I don't know. We probably wouldn't even be having this conversation, but it's just their, their bad start. And just the way it looks with the NFC East, who, by the way, I had uh, one of, you know, my friends who listened to this podcast called me out this week over text. Uh, my friend, Austin, he's like, he's a diehard Cowboys fan. He's like, you call this division mediocre and, and three of the, you know, four teams are four and one or better right now. The best, the best team in the league is currently in this division. And my reply was like, look, you got a point. Like maybe I'll make a statement on the podcast, but just keep in mind we're through five games here. All right. But through five games, I guarantee you at season's end, it's going to be completely different. But again, yeah, I, I, you know, I apologize for saying what I said about this division. Um, anyways, so that was my, my whole spiel about this situation. Who's the next guy on the chopping block? Do you have a different name on your mind, Carr? Yeah, I mean, Ron Rivera is definitely a good one. And, you know, the commanders have just that whole they just have a lot of stuff going on right now with their owner and. I think that franchise just, uh, they need a new owner and it just has to trickle down to having a new coach and new quarterback. I mean, there's just a lot with the commanders. I think they have a long ways to go, but this one comes as a little bit of a surprise, but I think Josh McDaniels, I mean, they just hired him the Raiders, but I think he needs to be talked about being on the hot seat. Look, the Raiders right now are one in four and look, this is a team that had a lot of like aspirations in this division in the AFC West. And they've just, they've won. They they're at the bottom of the, of the uh, division right now. And, you know, you have the chiefs who are four and one, you have the Chargers three and two and the Broncos are two and three they're falling behind and they have a, they have a good team. Like they have a quarterback in Derek Carr, who's a top 15 guy. You have an offensive line who's, you know, they're okay. you got a running back in Josh Jacobs who's having a career year right now because the team didn't pick up his fifth-year option, and he's playing his ass off. He's trying to get a new contract. You have one of the best receivers in the NFL in Devontae Adams. You know, Darren Waller's had his injuries, but he's one of the better tight ends in the league. And Hunter Renfro, I know he's had a concussion throughout this season, but he's one of the better slot guys. And then Max Crosby, you can make an argument, has been the defensive player of the year this year. Like, he's – been great Chandler Jones obviously has been great so like this is a team that's really good right now and they shouldn't be a team that's one in four like this is a team that should be a lot better than what they have been so far like they've had losses against you know the Chargers week one uh the Cardinals they lost to in overtime they lost to the Titans uh they beat the Broncos and they lost the Chiefs by one point which is you know it's respectable but I mean the fourth down play on the in that game Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams ran into each other. Like maybe it wasn't a great play call. So I just think they have a lot going into this bye week. They play the Texans. So if they don't win that game, that's going to be a real problem. you got the Saints. you got the Jaguars. you got the Colts, Broncos, Seahawks. Like they are, there's some easier games for them to win. But, I mean, Josh McDaniels, if he can't do it, if he has a losing record within those games – it's a conversation to have. I don't know if Mark Davis is going to, is going to pull the trigger. I know 
that McDaniels and Mark Davis actually had a closed door meeting after the Titans loss. So maybe there was something there being like, hey, we got to get our stuff together here and we need to win games. Like the Raiders have a very passionate fan base and they do not like seeing their football team lose. So I think Josh McDaniels, even if this is only his first season, I think there's a real conversation to be had about him being on the hot seat right now. Yeah, which is definitely a fair comment because when you go through this roster, it's not like they're lacking talent. Like they have all the talent there. You know, Derek Carr proven time and time again that he's at least a reliable quarterback at the very least. Josh Jacobs, again, another running back who has been great the last few years, but has not been able to really accumulate to to team success. Um, I mean, you can't argue last year, obviously, but last year was just an anomaly with this team for, for how well they were able to play given all their circumstances. Then they sign Devontae Adams to a crazy contract, which he basically has lived up to up until this point. He has played very well. Um, I'm looking over his stats right now. I mean, 124 yards, 101 yards, um, you know, 36 yards, but he had a touchdown. Uh, Has five touchdowns through five games. I mean, he's living up to the contract so far, and they have the talent. Like you said, Max Max Crosby, right? Yeah, on, on defense. Max Crosby, um, sacks. yeah, lead, leading the league in, in sacks or tied at least um, with the sack numbers. Uh, and then they have Chandler Jones. I mean, these are all names where these are guys who, who have been competing, have been playing very well, but it just has not translated to wins. And that's an issue that falls directly on the head coach, in my opinion. So I think that's a 100 percent valid statement. And again, I think some people are probably screaming right now, like, how did you not mention the Denver head coach? Um, Nathaniel Hackett, yeah. Nathaniel Hackett, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the conversation. Um, Yeah, because, you know, obviously Russell Wilson hasn't played very well, and they just signed him to a huge contract, and the offense has scored. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure this is the worst offense in the NFL, or it's definitely the top three worst statistically. You can check me on that. But Mm -hmm. the most they scored all all game, uh, all time this season was 23 points in a losing effort, and they've scored uh, nine points, 11 points, 16 points, and 16 points. Yep. That's not going to get the job done. Um, even when your defense is playing well, it's not going to get the job done. So, no. again, I think what you're saying is very valid, and uh, Josh McDaniels definitely needs to be better. And I think there um, is a lot of concern there. And if they start off like one in seven or something like that, I mean, I would not be surprised gone. Yeah. It's a conversation, like – I forget what the Raiders had given Josh McDaniels, the contract. Um, I thought it was a relatively long-term deal. I could be wrong, but I mean, the Raiders, Mark Davis is, I think, I, he's someone who's very passionate about the team and he wants to see the team win. Uh, the Raiders, again, like I've said, they have a very passionate fan base and they expect nothing less than for their their team to win games. And if you're losing, I mean, I mean, it usually falls on the head coach and Josh McDaniels has got to bite the void. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's a real conversation. I mean, we haven't mentioned like Cliff Kingsbury for the Cardinals or Frank Riker of the Colts. Like, I think it's there's a, a decent amount of coaches that are on the hot seat right now. And I think, you know, we mentioned Ron Rivera and Josh McDaniels. There's a bunch of guys and, you know, it could we could be seeing more term more turmoil uh, happen over the next few weeks with these coaches especially when the Raiders had Rich Bisaccia, who literally got them to the postseason after they went through, I think, like, there was three felonies they were facing. You know, the team was facing around the season. John Gruden, right. He had a head coach who said a bunch of racist things, whatever. Mm-hmm. He got fired. Uh, and then you had mm-hmm. controversy after controversy. It seemed like every week this team was, like, living an episode out of, like, the Kardashians or, like, a reality <laughs> show or something. And, right. Like, seriously, every week it was, it was something new. And like they it. still made it to the playoffs. And you could have signed this guy – to such a, a small deal, you could have given him two, two years or three years, and he probably would have taken something very small considering he, he hadn't had, I mean, all that much, um, how do I say this, like all this much uh, great experience up until that point, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's been in the NFL for a while, but hasn't been, a, you know, really like a household name at the head coach position for that long, probably could have paid him anywhere from five to eight million dollars over you know three years so basically three three years 24 million um and he probably would have accepted it to be honest and fans would have been happy um you know obviously the the players who played for him would have been happy because they liked him they loved him you know um and then what did uh what did the higher-ups do got rid of him for you know having success and uh move on to somebody new and unfortunately the regime that he's coming from josh mcdaniels 
they have not had any success outside of Bill Belichick, which is it's a fact at this point. There is no debating that. I mean, that yeah. Patricia terrible. Josh McDaniels hasn't done well. Um, well, Brian, Joe, Joe Judge wants to go for it on uh, you know three and seventeen wants to yep. you know pretend that he's doing a like one yard sneak or whatever. I don't know. Um, you have all these guys. I'm again being head coach for the Patriots. And uh, unfortunately, you know, people have not learned from it yet around the league. So it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. And yeah, I mean, the Raiders are, they should just be a lot better than they are right now. And I know they're playing a tough division, but I had them being nine and eight this season. I had pretty decent high expectations for them. I thought they had a really good team, but if you're really disappointed the way that you are right now, your job is absolutely on the hot seat. 100% 100% man I couldn't have said it better myself and uh you know Car, I want to ask you who do you think is so far the best head coach of the season given that we we're just talking about unfortunately great. the coaches were on the hot seat great transition Noah because now we're going to do our quarter season awards quarter-ish season I think we're now we're up week six of the season we're getting close to halfway I'm sure we'll do a mid-season awards um, show as well but to look at who has been the coach of the year so far, I think it's there's a couple of guys I can definitely think of, but I think this guy definitely deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. And I know we've talked about him before. I've definitely talked about him quite a bit on this podcast, but it is Brian Dable of the New York Giants. He has done a phenomenal job with this team. This team is four and one right now. And I don't think a lot of people would be sitting here thinking that the Giants through five weeks would be four and one. I've seen people say that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league this season. Brian Dable does not care. He has, I think, instilled a culture with this team. We, I've talked about it time and time again about that. I've talked about how he's, I think, implemented a, an offense with this team. Like you see creativity with this team and you see, you know, Saquon Barkley, I'm, we're definitely going to get into him in a little bit, but he's been, so dominant he's out of the way back Daniel Jones at times is a little competent which I didn't think was possible but Brian Dable has done wonders with this team and this team plays hard every single game look at last week's game against the Packers in London they were down I think 17 to 3 I think if the Giants were coached by Joe Judge they would have lost that game 30 to 3 they or maybe even more like they would have gotten their asses kicked but Brian Dable he has these guys playing hard and they have, he has them playing where they do not give up and they came all the way back and defeated an Aaron Rodgers led team in a regular season game. I think that's super impressive. I think that says a lot about coaching says a lot, what you know the guys believe in their head coach and he's just done a phenomenal job. He's one of those guys that's come from Belichick and Saban. I know we just talked about how some of those guys have not panned out, but I mean, Brian Dable so far has been really good. And, you know, we talked about last season with, you know, or the last few seasons, what he's done with Josh Allen in Buffalo. He has really instilled a culture here with the Giants. And they are playing very hard right now. And, you know, the Giants, they're usually – they have been, you know, not favored in a lot of games. But if you're a betting guy and you want to take Giants to cover the spread or take them in the money line, like, it might not be a wise – it might be a pretty wise idea to do that. I think they've just been – really good this season. I think it just starts with Brian Dable and the coaching job that he's put on so far with this team. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't really refute that at all. I think, yeah, I mean, he's done phenomenal. They're four and one. This is a team that for a very long time, I mean, looked like they had no promise whatsoever. They, uh, they looked terrible. I mean, for a really long time under Joe judge under the, the other past coaches they've had. And finally it looks like there's, you know, a breath of uh, fresh air, in the organization, I still think that they're a quarterback away. Um, I understand that Daniel Jones has looked a lot tougher this year. I'll give him credit for that much. At the end of the day, though, he in reality has three three passing touchdowns, two interceptions, and he has another, you know, two rushing touchdowns. Um, I don't think he's the quarterback of the future for them, despite all that he's done so far for well, you know, he's he's a system quarterback. Like the thing about um their their head coach right now is that. They have he's implemented this system that the players have bought into and Daniel Jones has bought into it. But again, I think that they're missing, unfortunately, just a key guy who can, you know, win win games. It can really be that difference maker at the quarterback position. Um, but for me, I will say um, after after four games, actually after five games, um, 
I got to go with the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. Nick um, I don't. Yes, Nick Sirianni. I, I have to know that name better, man. Mm-hmm. Um, he's killed it up until five games or five and oh. I mean, they've been perfect up until this part of the season. Um, even in the games where Jalen Hurts looks like he can't throw at all, he finds a way to get into the end zone with his legs. And uh, it seems like everything's really clicking right now. They, I believe they have the number one rushing offense in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they, they're really good. Basically, in every category, you look at um, anything and you can see that the Eagles are like right there, right, with the, the best of the best. So I got to give credit to them. Um, I, hey, Nick Sirianni was actually <clears throat> my coach of the year before the season started. I really thought that the Eagles, I had them win in 11 games, but they, again, we've talked about it last week. They have a, an easy schedule, but Nick Sirianni, even dating back to last season, has done a really good job with this team, and this offense has been great. This defense has been great. Like, the, the Eagles could definitely make a, a, a push, and I think Nick Sirianni <clears throat> has done a, a, a great job, so I don't hate that. We can sit, mention Mike McDaniel for the Dolphins. He's done a really good job. Kevin, Kevin O'Connell for the, the Minnesota Vikings has done a really good job, but, yeah, I think those guys have done great, but to get into our next award here, we got Comeback Player of the Year. I got one guy, and he has absolutely been a beast this season. He's torn it up, continuing the trend with the New York Giants. Saquon Barkley has been unbelievable this season. And last season, you know, he missed he, he missed like a good portion of last season, right? I forget what injury he had. I think it might have been last year where he tore his ACL. I could be completely wrong on that, but – he is the overwhelming favorite right now for comeback player of the year. He's minus 225. And look, he's, he's, he's just been an absolute beast. He's second in the NFL in rushing yards. He has three rushing touchdowns in terms of, you know, yards from scrimmage. He might be damn near the top of the NFL in terms of that. And like, he has been like their offense. And I really mean that, like we've talked about Daniel Jones, like having these games where he's not doing a whole lot. He's looked competent, but, Man, it's Saquon Barkley, man. He has been so good this season, and he looks like the Saquon Barkley of old. We've talked about that dating back to after the first week of the season, we were saying that, and he's been continuing his dominance. And Saquon Barkley, I believe right now, is playing for a contract, and again, he is earning his contract. He's been so good, and he's been the Giants' offense this season, and sometimes you just got to hand the ball off to Saquon Barkley if you need an offense, and He's been doing that. He was lining up in Wildcat last week, catching passes, obviously. He's caught a lot of passes, and he's just he's just great. And I, I think he's kind of like my overwhelming favorite right now for, sake, for comeback player of the year. And he could damn near win the offensive player of the year, too, this year if this keeps up. So he's just been so dominant. So I got to give it to Saquon Barkley for sure. Yep, we can move on because I have that exact same one. So right. I don't want to be boring or anything, but I think that's the only right answer here. Yeah, I mean, some other guys, if you want to mention them, like Derek Henry's been pretty good. Geno Smith has been really good this season. Uh, McCaffrey's done okay, but I think Saquon Barkley has just been so dominant. So to move on to our rookies of the year. So I'm actually going gonna, gonna to give it to you, Noah, here. Who is your offensive rookie of the year? Chris Olave, man, this guy has been fairly dominant to start out his NFL career. Um, honestly, I've been very, very impressed to see that he's been able to really, uh, I mean, he's really been the Saints offense. The majority of the offense has run through him through the first five games, uh, 25 touchdowns, 389 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he's killed it up until this point. He's had, I mean, his most recent games, he's had 54 yards, 67 yards, 147 yards, 80 yards. So, I mean, in short, I don't really think there's anything more for me to say about him. He's just been great despite the quarterback woes of the Saints and despite the fact that James Winston's kind of looked back to his uh, former form with the Buccaneers, unfortunately. Uh, Olavi's made things happen, so got to give it to him. Yeah, he's been great this season. Um, well, Chris Olave, he's been great, but I think there's been another guy, too, that's also deserves some love, and he's right now my offensive rookie of the year. I think – Damian Pierce of the Houston Texans. Look, he was someone who was getting, gaining a lot of preseason height. It was, you know, Marlon Mack was still on the team. They were wondering, like, is he, is Damian Pierce going to be the RB1 for the Houston Texans? And he ended up winning the job. Marlon Mack gets cut. And now I believe he's with the 49ers on their practice squad or whatever. But 
Damian Pierce is so, so good. And right now he's fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. He has 413 rushing yards. In terms of yards after contact, he is second. He is, sorry, he's fourth in the NFL in yards after contact. In terms of yards after contact per attempt, I mean, he's averaging 4.17 yards after contact. In terms of missed tackles, he is second in the NFL in forced missed tackles. He's, he's uh, made defenders miss 33 times. He's second only to Nick Chubb. Like Damian Pierce has been an absolute monster this season. And he was a guy who I believe was a third round pick. I don't think a lot of people like expected too much from him at Florida. He was very limited in the touches that he got, but man, he has made it worthwhile in the NFL. And he last week against the Jaguars, he had one run where he just, he like broke like, it had to have been like six or seven tackles on one run. It was ridiculous. He actually had 17 broken tackles in that game, which I think is the most ever charted by PFF by a single game by one player. So Damian Pierce has just been a monster this season and I could see him just continuing his tear and he started off a little bit slow, but he has really picked it up and he's just been so good. So I think it's really, you know, comes down to Damian Pierce, Chris Olave, maybe there's some other guys in there, maybe a guy, you know, maybe a guy like a Kenny Pickett could win it or a Brees Hall who's really come along. But, man, I think Damian Pierce has been really good this season. So right now he would be my offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, that's facts, man. He's been killing it, and he's been the second-best offensive player on that team, number one, Davis Mills. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just playing. Just uh, all right, I'll let you – yeah. He's been really good, too, sir. <laughs> All right, man. I'll uh, I'll let you go with defensive rookie of the year. Sure. So defensive rookie of the year, uh, right now for me is Devin Lloyd of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's been really, really good this season. Um, I believe he's got like 43 tackles. I think that's the most from from all rookies. He has a couple of interceptions in there. Like he's doing the things that he was doing at Utah. Like he was a good coverage linebacker. And he's been pretty effective for the Jaguars, too, in the running game. Like, maybe his tackle and technique needs some work, but he's been really good in the running game, too. Like, the Jaguars have actually been a really, really good, like, run-stopping team this season. Like, their defense has actually been really good. And I think Devin Lloyd is one of those players that have really turned things around for that team. I think Devin Lloyd, he's been a, a really good player, and I could see him, you know, continuing to up his tackle total. Maybe he gets a couple more interceptions throughout the season. He just looks really, really good. I think Devin Lloyd has been the defensive rookie of the year so far and a really good Jaguars defense that I don't think a lot of people really expected them to be as good as they are right now. I think it starts with Devin Lloyd, definitely one of those names that starts off with. Hey, fair enough, man. Um, I respect that totally. Great pick. But I'm going to go with somebody completely different. I feel like everybody at home is going to be like, who's that? Uh, I probably would have said the same thing about um, an hour and a half ago, to be honest. Wow. But uh, okay. I'm going to go with um, Derek Woolen, man. Uh, I don't even know if that's how you say his name. I like this that guy, pick. though. Dude, like three that. interceptions. Three interceptions, man. That's all I got to say. Uh, I mean, this kid was drafted in the fifth round, 153rd overall. You know something very ironic, man? This is something I uh, actually just realized. Uh, Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman, the great, you know, Richard Sherman, everybody knows who he is. He was drafted with the 154th pick overall. One pick separating those two. Uh, both of them drafted by Seattle. I'm not saying this guy's going to be the next Richard Sherman or anything, but just uh, a little fun tidbit in there. Maybe uh, I'll make a reel out of it or something. We'll see. I mean, man, Tariq Woolen is like, I think he might be like 6'3 or 6'4. He's a tall corner, and he had an electric combine. Like, I'm like, all right, this guy could really be something if he, like, continues to develop his game because he has all of these, these physical tools and these traits about him that just could make him into such a great corner. And he's been really good this season. Like, the Seahawks overall have had a really good draft, but, man, like, Tariq Woolen has been such a fine in the fifth round. And I completely respect that. He's been really good this season. Yeah, 100%, bro. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, we're going to move on to the next guy, uh, which is the offensive player of the year. Um, again, I'm going to let you go first on this one. I mean, this, could, this award could go to a lot of different guys. Um, this guy, honestly, is, I mean, as I'm looking at like the top guys in terms of favorited, he's not even in the top five. And I think he's been so good this season. 
no, it's not Lamar Jackson. I know I it, it pained me not to put Lamar there, even though Lamar could like he could have an unbelievable season too. But usually quarterbacks do not win that award. I think it usually goes to more of like a running back or a wide receiver. Right now, my offensive player of the year is Nick Chubb for the Cleveland Browns. He has been unbelievable this season. He leads the NFL in rushing yards. He leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. He leads the NFL in yards after contact. He leads the NFL in broken tackles. He leads the NFL in 10-plus yard runs. So this guy is not – I mean, he's just getting it done. And the Browns have really relied on Nick Chubb, and he has been so good. I think a lot, he's reminding a lot of people how great he is. You know, he doesn't really do whole, a whole lot in the passing game, obviously, but he is such a great runner of the football. He's averaging 6.1 yards per carry right now. He has been an, an absolute monster, and, you know, he can just – Jacoby for a second, just hand the ball off to Nick Chubb, and usually good things are happening. Like, he's someone who just picks up so many, so many yards whenever he touches the ball. You rarely see Nick Chubb go down on first contact. You really rarely see him go down behind the line of scrimmage. Um, he's having one of his best seasons of his career, one of his best starts of his of a season to his career. He's rushed for, like, 100 yards in, like, maybe the last, like, three games or something. It's been something crazy, so – Nick Chubb has just been so dominant. I got to give it to him right now. And maybe it could go to a guy like Cooper Cup, who's been good, or Justin Jefferson. But I think Nick Chubb has just been so good this season. I, I have to give him his flowers for sure. Yeah, you know something, man? I've, this one could go so many different ways. Um, I'm going to have to give it to Cooper Cup just because of his consistency. I want to say Justin Jefferson. I really did up until about five seconds ago. But then you're just looking over the, the consistency that Cooper Cup plays with. Like, look, Justin Jefferson has been on a tear this year, but he had one game where he had 14 yards and one game where he had 48. On the other hand, you have Cooper Cup, who, uh, well, the least yards he's had this year is 44. Um, and he's had games of 108 yards, 128, 122, 125. I mean, this guy is, like, consistently putting up 100-yard games with, like, eight catches or ten catches and touchdowns. So. I really got to give it a Cooper Cup. I mean, yeah, he's been I, – I, I think a lot of people thought that he would come down to earth a little bit. It doesn't seem like he is. Like, he's just he's just been so great. And even with the Rams' struggles, like, Cooper Cup has just been – has been money all season. So, I do not hate that at all. And then in terms of defensive player of the year, I'm also going to kick it to you here. Who do you have as your defensive player of the year? I got to go with Nick Bosa, man. Just the amount of disruption that this guy puts on on other defense, uh, sorry, other offenses is just, uh, it's incredible. I mean, this guy seems like every play he's doing something incredible to, you know, do something to contribute to the, the def- defense. Um, I really like what I've seen out of him this, this year so far, but he's had a very good year so far and he's been phenomenal for the 49ers. So again, there's, there's a few guys that have like the six sack range. So, you could go a few different a uh, few different ways here, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. I agree with you. That was my defensive player of the year pick as well. He he was my guy before the season too. He has been so great. He leads the NFL in pressures. He's tied for the NFL lead in sacks. He's on the best defense in the NFL right now. Nick Bosa's a beast, and right now he's dealing with a groin injury. I don't know if he's going to play this week, which is really unfortunate. I wish he could, but. Man, Nick Bosa is – I think he's really starting to cement himself as one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. If you remember his rookie season, his rookie season, he was already one of the best guys. Like, he was making such a, an impact on that 49ers defense. And then he gets injured. To, he misses pretty much the entire season the year after that. And he's here now, and he is so good. Just gets after the quarterback. It doesn't matter how many guys are really covering him. He just gets after the quarterback so well. Some other guys, I mean, obviously got Micah Parsons, who's been really good this season. We mentioned Max Crosby earlier in the show. But Nick Bosa, I just think, has been so disruptive this season. You know, in terms of the amount of hits he's had, he's had 11 quarterback hits. He's had 14 quarterback hurries and 31 total pressures. I mean, this guy is just so great. And, yeah, I just think Nick Bosa is the defensive player of the year, without a doubt. But now we get into the fun award, or the award that's the most prestigious. And – I'm, do you want me to start or do you want to start on this? Because this is, I mean, obviously you got the MVP here. Um, big award. Uh, yeah, you can go first. All right. So my MVP, I think if this was a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago, I think Lamar Jackson would have been my MVP. 
However, I think he's dipped down a little bit. And I think some other guys have had an opportunity to really step up. And the guy that I'm going to go with is Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills. And I know he's favored right now. And maybe it's a little bit of a chalky pick. Patrick Mahomes was really considered into this as well. It was very hard for me to not pick Mahomes because he leads the NFL in touchdowns. He's only thrown two picks and the Chiefs are four and one. But Josh Allen, I think, has been I mean, I think he's practically the Bills offense at times as well. And like, I know he's got Stephon Diggs. He has some help there, but and Gabriel Davis had a great game last week. He had two touchdowns and caught three passes for 171 yards. But I think Josh Allen, the stuff that he can do, the 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 the, the rushing ability too. Like Josh Allen is the is the Buffalo Bills best running back. And he's just he carries such a huge load on this offense. He's thrown 14 touchdown passes, he's thrown four picks. He leads the NFL in passing yards. It's it's something really special in terms of big time throws. He's he's at the top of the NFL in that. His his average depth of targets at 8.4, so he throws the ball pretty much down the field a lot of times. Josh Allen is is, is special man, and I think this season the way that he's been playing, I can't wait until this game on Sunday with the Chiefs and Bills. It's going to be electric. It was electric last season in the playoffs, but you have two of the best quarterbacks in the league going at it. I think Mahomes, I think Mahomes has been great. I'm not going to take anything, anything away from him. It's been, it was very hard for me to not pick him, but I think Josh Allen, I think has carried a huge substantial role this season. And again, I think the rushing really plays a factor into that he's the best Bills running back. He has been so great for them. The things that he can do with the ball in his hands, the way he can create plays. I mean, there's not much else to say about him. I mean, there's a lot that I could get into, but I think Josh Allen has just been great. So I'm going to go with him as my MVP. And he was my MVP before the season started. So maybe I have a little bit of bias towards that, but I think he's just been so great. So I'm going to go with Josh Allen. All right. So the, the answer here that I want to say is Patrick Mahomes. I really want to say Patrick Mahomes. But I also want to have fun and be different. This is the only time I'm ever going to be able to compliment this guy because this is not sustainable what he's doing. Do not say I'm going with Geno Smith. Oh. I'm going with Geno Smith. I don't even care. Bro, this guy has nine touchdowns right now, two interceptions. And without him, they would probably be 0-5 right now. So they're 2-3. and three. They're, That's not MVP level. Uh, but look, he put up 48 against my Detroit Lions. I got to have some respect for him. So uh, the real answer here is Patrick Mahomes, but just ignore that part. Cut that part out. Do what you got to do. Uh, and uh, my answer is going to be Geno Smith. Dude, Geno Smith has actually been, like, really good this season. It's kind of crazy because, like, I was actually, like, you know, me, me being a nerd in football, I was watching this film yesterday from the Saints game. Dude, there were some throws where I'm like, bro, like, how many quarterbacks can really make that throw? There was a throw that he had. I believe it was to Will Disley. Or it was either Will Disley or it might have been Noah Fant. That's who it was. It was Noah Fant. And he, like, rolled to his left. Like, quarterbacks who were, who were throwing on their – you know, who were right-handed rolling to their left are usually not going to throw a very accurate pass. And Geno Smith threw an unbelievable pass to him. He had an unbelievable pass to Tyra Lockett that was, like – he was, like, surrounded by three defenders. And Geno Smith put it, like, in – like, perfectly. It was perfectly placed ball right into the bread basket. Like, Geno Smith has been great. He's third in the NFL in EPA. He's top of the NFL in terms of passer rating. Like, dude, Geno Smith has been legit. And like, I know, like, oh, he's played the Fal- he's played the Falcons. Oh, he's played the Lions. Like, he's played some bad defenses. But if you really, if you sit down and watch the film, he's making throws that are like tight window throws. The defenders are closing in. He's gonna get that ball quick. He's gonna hitch and get rid of the ball, and it's gonna be before that defender can close in on it. Like. He's been unbelievably good this season. I can't believe I'm been, I'm saying this right now, but like, like we were talking about the Seahawks in the offseason being like, dude, they had the worst quarterback situation in the league. Geno Smith has proven everybody wrong. I don't think anybody would have thought that Geno Smith was going to be this good this season. And I think the Seahawks should really consider making him their starting quarterback next year too. Like while they can still make their defense better through the draft or the off season. And then maybe then they take a quarterback and let him sit behind Geno Smith. I think the Seahawks are actually in a pretty good spot right now with Geno Smith. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it might be the only time we get to talk about Geno Smith. I would love to talk about Geno Smith if he continues it, continues this, but man, it's unbelievable what he's doing right now. 
And again, like it, it is small sample sizes, but when you take into account the four games he started last year and the five games he started this season, through nine games, he has 14 touchdowns and three interceptions as a C- Seattle Seahawks quarterback. It's crazy. Like he's been really it's, good. It's wild. Hey, Who would have thought? They wrote him off, but he ain't right back. That's what he said week one, so I'm going to say that right now. Yo, Geno Smith, he sat down, he looked straight into the camera, and he said, I'm him. That was it. Him. Gino, him, Smith, Hemothy. But, yeah. <laughs> but all right, I can't believe – I honestly did not believe that uh, that at some point this season I was going to say that. But here, are, here we are talking about Gino Smith in the MVP race. But, yeah, that is it for this week's episode of Rough in the Basket. Let us know who you have as your MVP, as your Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, rookie Defensive Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. We would love to hear who you guys have at this point through the season. But – Thanks so much for listening to Rough in the Basket. You may, can follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. Follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. Uh, Noah, again, with the reels, has been killing it. Also, I wanted to really quickly throw in that we're going to be on Pombo and Peter's picks this week to talk about the NBA season. So whenever that podcast drops, make sure you go look out for that at the Daily Goat website. Uh, we give our awards predictions for the NBA, talk about some of the big moves this offseason, some disappointing teams this offseason, and you know, pick the, the NBA finals. So you got to make sure to go check out that podcast. But you can follow me on Twitter at PCAR underscore 13, and you can follow Noah on Instagram at mburnt37. Noah, do you got anything for me this week? I just think it's so ironic, man. Lions, I go to the one game. I have great seats, zero points. I turn to Jason with like 13 minutes and 50 seconds left. And the, the third quarter, so still a bunch of time left in the game, still like 28 minutes to do something. I turn to him and I just say, Lions are going to get shut out, aren't they? This is this is just my my luck, man, as a Lions fan. Uh, so that's all I got. Things you hate to see. I truly hate to see it. And hopefully the next game Noah goes to, it's like the Seahawks and Lions game where both teams drop 40 points. But thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you guys next time. Peace.